Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast powered by Cineman. I'm Jung Graf and as always, I'm joined by Lachlan Teeley. On episode 147, Ewan and I will discuss the WGA strikes, give you a little bit of an update on that. And in this week's discussion time, we'll talk about movie rating scores. I'm looking forward to that. I just got back from the Locarno Film Festival, one of the oldest film festivals in the world. I think it's it's 76th audition or something like that. So it's been around for a while and uh, I got some movies to talk about and Lachlan rewatched everything everywhere all at once. Yes, I've just gotten back from a night out so I'm hungover, just not as cool as Ewan's like week-long trip to see a whole bunch of movies early. But this week I also did catch Blackberry. Ewan's seen it. That's what we're going to talk about. It's uh, it's gonna be an exciting conversation, I reckon, because it's a bit of a bit of a doozy. It is. So let's cue up that intro and get into the show. We are professionals. Like, this, is, this is a professional podcast. Yes. Breaking that and better for song. Hello there. <laughs> Which actually did you this get is me a hat a bit, as well? Um. Yes. So I've got Dune Cam. <laughs> it's just a camera <laughs> with my Dune steelbook. Do Canadians say doozy? Doozy, it sounds like a Canadian thing, so we'll just run yeah, with that. Yeah, I don't know. So sorry if it's not. Oh, that was more Irish. Sorry. sorry. I, I can't do yeah, that's the Canadian. very Irish. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, welcome back. Uh, we are here once again. Um, yeah. We're going to talk a bit more about what we've been up to this week and what we've been watching, because I do want to jump straight into the news and talk about the update that we got from the WGA strikes that have been going on since May 1st of this year. And for the first time since then, uh, the producers uh, and the writers have met to discuss can they find an agreement in the terms and conditions they want for this upcoming deal. And uh, long story short, no, they couldn't agree, but I don't know if they even got closer to anything. Um, and... I think for the current state of where the sentiment is at, obviously it is all on the side of the, the writers and the actors. Generally, there's always a bit of outlying discourse that's online that mm. shines uh, the light on the more on the, on the few than the many when it comes to horrible takes on this. You can feel the first repercussions um, other than the delays that have continued to go on. Um, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but Sony has pushed uh, the... Craven the Hunter by uh, almost an entire year. Spider-Verse is um, delayed indefinitely, which I think wouldn't would have been the case anyways. Now they could kind of cover it up uh, yeah. like this. But they also can't continue to work on it. So um, it's going to take even longer. And uh, Dune is still up in the air so far. I think the IMAX screens, uh, like IMAX in the States, which uh, like plans out its schedule really ahead of time, showing you like what is going to be playing when. Uh, that was recently the fight for Mission Impossible over the screens that Oppenheimer took, uh, is not giving up the screens uh, to the, the Marvels. Uh, it's actually staying uh, with Dune. Um, so there's, there's a higher likelihood they will stick, but ultimately it does depend on when an agreement is uh, settled and found. But um, like here uh, at, the, uh, at the Locarno Film Festival, not, not here, I'm not there anymore, but um, <laughs> Kate Blanchett was supposed to come out uh she had a movie that she produced obviously then didn't come in solidarity with uh the writers and the actors and uh yeah that's just going to continue um happening as we uh go along and these movies are getting less promotion and it, it's like it's a sad thing because like this would be a smaller film that would definitely profit from her being there and stuff like that and um 
there's been a lot of like uh these interims or like uh separate deals we all know that a24 is back and up and running but there's also like a couple different productions that have got uh gotten the okay that they can continue shooting and the, the line has been really muddled already and uh will probably be better to just like be pretty strict about it and say unless a20 like a24 you got a deal like not, don't continue working on it even if it's a, hmm. a smaller indie production but it's so complicated like even the stuff that that we do um i also am bringing up an interprompto discussion time uh that i recently attended a, a panel thing um here uh, uh, not here in Lugano again in Lugano where they talked about like the differences between film criticism and influencing i think there the line is way more cross about like where you do promotion whereas its own institution with journalism uh when it's more influencing then i feel like uh then you are kind of counteracting the the strike in a way because you are participating more in the promotional side of the thing but long monologue hopefully <laughs> not not cut short because i went for way too long to consider that short but um yeah Lachlan. Other than that, you got anything else to add? Something you're, you're hoping for when it comes to the strike? A fucking deal to be struck. That's all I'm wanting. Uh, mm. it, it can't be that difficult just to say, oh, okay, yeah, we'll pay you a livable wage and we won't let AI take over your jobs. Well, so it, how about AI, it, There's more though? to it than that. But, oh, yeah, who, you've got you to know, think about AI it's and its place in the world and yeah. that's where we're going. But I think we had this conversation ages ago anyway about AI's use in... in cinema and writing where yep. you know you can't you can't build up a brick wall and expect that to stop this incoming force that is ai yep. writing because mm -hmm. it's a tool and if you're a smart writer you'll use that tool to help with your writing you don't yep. use it to completely replace a writer but you use it to improve yourself so i think that for me you can't stop this flood of ai which is currently the the in word right now uh yeah. these large language models where they can just create things and they can think i said that in quotations because they're not really thinking they're just they're trained not. on certain things yeah so it's pretty easy just to come to an agreement but clearly there is something that these production companies see going oh yes this would be really good to save us money we won't have to pay them we won't have to yeah like, give as much money out as we have but like they wouldn't they wouldn't need writers to make like a treatment for the whatever yeah. installment of stuff and yeah. then you get you get writers to fix up a screenplay and uh in theory for product stuff uh that has like no soul <laughs> and integrity that sounds great but for actual good cinema that sounds like the end of all arts to, in, in my opinion i mean but getting like getting a, a, maybe a bit overblown. ai trained like getting an AI trained. Oh yeah, yeah. Trained oh, it's no, it's, to... it's also the training, right? To to, to run, um, yeah. To, to get it good, you got to run it off someone's else else's work. And yeah, exactly, like that's one of the conditions that they have that they are not allowed to use AI to train a model that's ultimately there to replace them. Yeah, but like to think about it, imagine like to play de devil's advocate here, right? You're the head of yeah. a production company, and you've got to pay somebody a week worth of pay to yeah. write a, a treatment for, mm. a, for a film or like write a, like the log lines that they're going to place all around the film, right? They've got to read the film. They've got to kind of understand it, break it down, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Why not just pick some of the 50 best log lines ever made, let an AI break it down, why it's good, why it's bad, 
get it to read a script, and in probably less than 10 seconds, pumps out a log line, right? Yeah. It's probably going to be way quicker and way cheaper. And cool. That is way better and way cheaper than doing it with like a longer period of time and paying somebody. But yeah. once again, where does the, the moral side of it come in where it's not written by a person? It's written mm-hmm. by a machine. There's, there's no substance to it, really. And it, it's the same with like writing a screenplay. I'd love to have a film, not, not like I want a film done by AI, but I'd love someone to make an entire film with just AI. Yeah, I feel like that's a Soderbergh thing where he has the pull to maybe try something experimental like, like that. Uh, yeah. Where just kind of see this, the state of it. But I mean, obviously being a film, it's going to be always like, I don't know, 12, uh, 18 months behind its, its current state. But uh, I, I think it is helpful. Like I use it for, which is just a glorified a Google translation. But sometimes I run a text that I write through AI and say, hey, improve this text, get a couple different variations and see like how they, they formulate stuff a bit bit differently and, and see like where I can improve. So I definitely agree on like it, it can improve a, a writing on on, on my level, I think one of the conditions was also that they, they're asking for the writer specifically is that there's a minimum amount of of work weeks that they are getting because sometimes mm. they are pulled into these mini writer rooms and you don't really have like job security for a while, right? You, you're kind of running off the, the pay for a longer period of time when you're not actually employed at a place. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all interesting. It's still developing, hopefully developing. Um, I think they had also a record high uh, attendance uh, at the NBC Universal strike earlier this week. Uh, and yeah, love to see the support. And we are obviously continuing to support, to support the strike here as well. Uh, and they also said that even if they were to uh, strike a deal here, that the, the writers would continue uh, to strike in support of the actors until they get their deals as well. Not that the writers have as much of an impact, uh, I guess, which, you know, uh, productions would still be on halt, but they would be on halt regardless because of the the writers, but it also then would even extend the the repercussions of it. Uh, But I I really love the solidarity uh, in all of the different branches and hopefully they will uh, find um, a common ground soon. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be taking uh, a while longer. Lachlan, 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 let's, uh, let's yes, head yes, on yes. over to this week's discussion time. Discussion time. Yeah. Do you want to read out the, 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 the discussion we're having today? I, it's a long thing that I wrote here, but uh, yeah, maybe we can find a good question in there. All right. Yeah. You wrote in the discussion time, mm-hmm. are film rating signs like letterboxed (laughs) you want to change it yeah okay there we go uh film rating sites like letterboxed imdb metacritic and others conditioning us to think about a movie's quality by assigning a star rating reducing a film's merit down to a number uh, i do that did, did forget some words there which is typical of me this was just like a fuck all right news, let I, me do it again no no don't do it again through? i don't have you, have you read it through have i, I haven't no i don't want to read it through. okay that's, that's our film rating you. sites like letterbox imdb and metacritic and others conditioning us to think about a movie's quality by assigning a star rating less reducing 
a film's merit down to a number. That is still an incorrect sentence. Maybe we should use yes, uh, AI to, to rewrite that. But essentially what I was thinking is, uh, yeah, these, these almost social media-esque sites where you discuss film, sometimes there's a quip, quippy one-line uh, that you write to describe what you thought of the movie. Is, is that ultimately making us think less of it? Uh, or less about a movie and reducing it down to maybe a joke that we have or if we just rate it just that star rating is that like ultimately hurting the discussion about films and maybe our actual understanding of, of what film is where it's just like hey it's an entertainment thing um, and you go in you come out entertained you come out moved you come out displeased uh, but then to put a number to it is that actually like is that hurtful uh, for, for us as a society, as a culture overall? What do you think, Lachlan? Uh, no. No? I don't. So mm. there, there's a lot of layers to this this question. Yeah. For this discussion time, there's a, I mean, depends how much time we're going to dedicate to discussion time. But we'll see. to quickly break down as much of this as I can, the ratings that are given are useful. That's the first one. I can break it out there in a second. Two... The You're quippiness right. of some of these reviews that, you know, you or I do on Letterboxd as an example, isn't so much a dismissal of a film's merit mm -hmm. down to a joke, but in a way, a way of summarizing it that comedic can, can give you a broader understanding. Because usually we joke right. about it by being a, this movie cross this movie or something like that, you know, because yeah. we want to bring it into the likeness of some other films. And mm -hmm. then finally, is the number conditioning us to not see or see a movie? That's going to be the main one. Is like mm, I wouldn't even are say these that. numbers that we're seeing. It, it's not just but, about going to see the movie. It's it's about like what does it what does it change about like how we think about film when that it's all. Are you talking about us? Or you talking about everyday every everyday people? Well, I, I well, I mean, I guess we can only speak from our own experiences, which I I know that it isn't for me that there's like. We, we obviously dedicate more time to something, to a movie that we can, we can discuss its ups and downs, what we liked and what we didn't like. And those different things would get different star ratings in, in what it's hmm. doing, right? So you just like solving it, it just introduces more numbers instead of, of dialogue, instead of communication. And obviously you want to break it down. You can't like read an essay each time or you want to write an essay each time you watch a movie just because that's what you thought about it. So, like, I'm, I'm thinking, does it reduce it down, you know, to to how we think about movies? That, that yeah, I don't know. I just repeated the same question. I, I, don't, so, I don't have an okay, answer. Okay, so I'm, I'm quite lucky that as this hobby of ours, we have been able to see films earlier than others before public reviews and ratings are able to come out. So for myself, I do not think the rating of a film on a particular site affects my viewing of it in any way whatsoever because mm -hmm. viewing a film is completely subjective to your thoughts most recently we covered joyride and i didn't hate the film it just mm -hmm. wasn't for me yeah. but i never said that it was a bad movie you enjoyed it way more than i did you got mm -hmm. the humor and you enjoyed it way more than i did and it's the same with like Oppenheimer and Barbie, right? You gave it originally Oppenheimer a four and a half and Barbie a four, but I mm -hmm. did it the basically the same level of rating, right? We, we all yeah. have a different opinion on films. 
the the ratings on Letterboxd and IMDb are probably my favorite because they're majority user ratings. Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes kind of shits me if I'm totally honest because right. most of the time it goes off a critic score and critics are very similar in thinking. Yeah. So going off a user-based score will give me an idea of the film's quality because if it's sort of, I mean, I'm just going to, spoiler alert because we're going to talk about Blackberry and I've got the stats right in front of us. Letterboxd yeah. is a 3.8. IMDb is a 7.4 and Metacritic is an yeah. 80. So yeah. from those three numbers, I can get two things. One, it's a good film because mm. Letterboxd is close to a four and it's at a seven and a half on IMDb. And that's indicating to me that people enjoyed this film. It could be for a number of reasons. It could be just really well paced. It could be just a strong, solid film. But then I know for a fact that the critics are given an 80. It's going to be well-crafted. Yeah. no matter what it's going to be a really strong film from fundamentally how it's built and then when you're watching it for entertainment factor everyone else is thinking it's great as well so mm -hmm. i don't see those numbers as like exactly this film is good or bad i can break it down to who's reviewing it so critic yeah. scores are always going to basically be about the film's foundation the writing the acting yeah. the cinematography score all of the stuff that we like to break down from a from a level. And then other sites like Letterboxd and IMDB will basically break it down from an audience score factor of, is this shit entertaining or not? Yeah, for so, IMDB specifically, are there women in it? Then there's a bunch of one-star ratings. Yeah, pretty much. That's IMDb. But the thing is, those numbers are useful because yeah. it's a quick way of not having to read through a several-paragraph review now, there are certain people that I do read through for, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same with anyone. You shouldn't just go and look at the Metacritic score or the IMDb score. You should go in and read reviews. But yeah. you should go read reviews from a diverse range of people if you want to see what the film's actually like. Yeah. But you should also then you know, look at the people that have a similar like look of film or a similar like of movies to you. So mm -hmm. for me... You know, I'm not going to go recommend Oppenheimer to everybody because it's not a fun film from a entertainment standpoint, but it's a really well-crafted one, right? So my mate who only watches Fast and Furious in the Expendables, uh, Expendables, sorry, there's, there's no way that I'm going to be recommending a three-hour-long epic to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just going to be the numbers are useful, but they don't sort of representative film's quality uh, as an individual number because it's, mm. a, it's a broad range of individual ideas that get to that number. So, like, some of them I'll take at face value. Like, uh, yeah. Letterboxd is kind of the one that I kind of just always go off of. I don't usually do IMDb or Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes because I think a lot of those are very skewed results. Um, and I, and yeah. some and to be honest, some of the Letterbox scores are also quite skewed as well, but... Yeah. Generally, I will read the reviews of people that I respect's opinion. Yeah, I think you 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 kind of um I guess uh have your system of of getting there. I just also meant for the question that that's your experience. How are you uh like judge a film by the the, the numbers and ratings from the different sides that come in? But also if just uh, the, the act of of like doing that if the, like I don't know the rating hmm. thing because like there's there's some critics that don't use uh like star rating that don't use number rating 
they base it off a recommendation scale or they don't do ratings at all unless it's like an an A plus that they give the film like Chris Suckman. Uh, but I think for him, it's a bit more complex because he's also now doing movies. And I feel like once you branch over, it's this weird thing where if you're criticizing other people's films, when you're also like, that's, that's the thing. Well, like I, I noticed from within the industry, people who are notable tend to avoid to give like a conclusive number to stuff just because I feel like they could, they could be hold accountable for it. Well, like, uh, the thing is, but yeah. And it's just, and and I've said this how I would love to go through my letterbox and re-rate things. Yeah. Um. Because once you've, as as a as a film reviewer, right? I'd I'd like to say that I'm a film reviewer because mm-hmm. I go and watch movies to critique them and review them and study them, right? Yeah. Not like everybody else who goes and watches it for entertainment value. It's like how I had this discussion this week. Um. I was uh, talking to this person I've just met. We're kind of getting to know each other. They asked if I was into movies and I said, yeah, I love films. Like that's basically my entire life. And he was like, yeah, cool. I like to play video games, but movies are like my downtime. And I'm like, I'm the complete opposite. I can't just watch a movie for entertainment because I'll be literally watching that thing from start Mm. to finish. Don't pause it. If I have to go to the toilet, yada, yada, yada. But I will relax by playing video games, not by watching a movie. I'm engaged with that then. So at a certain point, once you've watched so many things and you've always had a singular scoring method of, say, out of five, out of 10, out of 100%, uh, A, B, C, D, you know, recommend, not recommend, uh, mm-hmm. buy, wait for sale, et cetera, et cetera, any of these methods, yeah. you start getting these films in these, cat- like in these numbers that don't make sense once you've had all of these films you've reviewed. Right. Well, you mean like by context, it doesn't make sense that some stuff is grouped together when when it shouldn't be. Exactly. Right. Yeah, once yeah, yeah. once you've once you've like had over let's say how many where's my letterbox account uh over a one thousand a movies watched yeah you know um and you've got a whole bunch of uh rated films let me just go to films let me just go rating that I've watched at a at a three and a half right mm-hmm. three three and a half right. I've got uh, How to Have Sex. This is like from this year. How to Have Sex, Monster, Occupied City, A Brighter Tomorrow, Evil Dead Rise. And then if I like switch down to a different year, like I've got Edge of Tomorrow from 2014, Jojo Rabbit. uh, What else do I have in here that's like completely random? Art of Self-Defense, Mystic River, Mm. uh, Seven Psychopaths, like Start Up. Like these are just... A whole bunch of films that if I probably rewatched them, I wouldn't be giving them three and a half. I'd probably be giving yeah. them like a solid three or maybe increase some of them to four. Like I've got the Princess Bride at three and a half. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it deserves a four. Mm. Now I'm thinking like now that I'm looking at it like, okay, why have I given Independence Day a three and a half? And I've also given Silence of the Lambs three and a half. Like they are both different films yeah and uh, i like one way more than the other i don't know how you go about this but i recently like a, a, a clip was shown to me on on tiktok from one day the like movie with anne hathaway and i remember seeing that one i don't know why but it's just like the ending is really big and shocking so i was like okay uh, i'm gonna rewatch this saw my rating was a three and a half and i knew the movie mm. wasn't great just from that clip alone but because I can set, uh, it, there was no diary thing set because I didn't start using uh, um, Letterbox until 2018. Didn't start using until 2018, man. 
time before <laughs> and um, rewatched it, gave it a horrible rating, uh, a horrible, a low rating because it's a bad movie. Um, but seeing that like context from when it shifts is also like super interesting to me. Uh, but I don't know about the grouping thing because I think I, I try to not give that like number, like th that amount of power. Obviously, you can look at them like, hey, these are the movies that I rated like um, a three and a half out of five, right? And you can see them all together and you're like, oh, this doesn't make sense. And that's why when you do uh, the the ranked lists on Letterboxd, I feel like uh, it's just a group of movies. I don't particularly care like how mm. they stack up comparatively against each other. That's that's why I think like, does this reduce it down to a competition when it's ultimately uh, like the variety of the, this art form is where it shines? Um, even if in blockbuster cinema it feels like it's very similar uh, on what it's doing, the variety that we get in in different sites on more on the art house side of, of film and stuff like that, I don't think th there's a, there's a competition to be had. Although you you might have a favorite of of what you like, so I don't know. For me, it's not as important what's grouped together uh, under the same rating. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah. But I think I think that we both kind of agree that the numbers aren't the bible no 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 not yeah. at all. bless you um don't don't take uh film reviews at just the numbers like read yeah. through it listen to what they have to say because they might be giving the film a solid four but they're like but this really sucks at this mm. point and it drags here and this is the worst part they want to give you like a like the the, the number has to represent you know often 90 plus minutes of entertainment yeah and you know when you're sitting in a 90 minute film versus a three hour film and you know if dune is to be three and a half hours or longer right yeah you know it's going to be hard to rate it against that quick 90 minute film that i enjoyed the entire way because it was paced so well and in and out dune is different but i'm you know got to rate it on a different factor so yeah maybe maybe you and we should figure out a rating system rating for movies system. yeah that, I mean, like the the, the universal the best, one like the like come on why not right surely yeah. that we could make a universally accredited movie rating system i i think it's it's really hard because uh yeah I've, I've seen some film critics break down how they they rate stuff and they break it into different categories and then you max out in certain categories and to me that was always kind of maybe we silly. could have like a xy chart yeah that that is like one is like quality and then one is uh is entertainment right yeah, yeah so yeah. that then you could kind of mark it on yeah this film isn't technically a marvel but mm. its entertainment is here so like there's like a circle and then like yeah. the the obviously the top part of the x and y if this is like my box here my x this is my x and y axis like this mm. is the the top here and this is a masterpiece, right? This is your yeah. your your godfathers and uh, at least my interstellars. Uh, Ewan wouldn't say it. Ewan would say interstellars no. like down here, but like this is your masterpieces. Your your ten out of tens, your five out of fives, your timeless classics, right? Yeah. Your 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 perfect cinema. Perfect. Basically, this quadrant right here is just all Martin Scorsese movies. Okay. Mm. Um, sure. And then yeah. basically everything else would be, look, it's not uh, exactly where I would say it's a great entertainment factor, but mm -hmm. it's like 
this this is where Oppenheimer would be, right? Because yeah. it's, it's not entertainment all the time. But mm-hmm. fuck me, is it a goddamn good movie to watch for seventy millimeter IMAX, Dolby Atmos surround sound, visual yeah. stimuli, take mm-hmm. acid and watch this movie level. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, by the way, this is something really different, but I do want to promote something real quick. Speaking of Interstellar. This is currently uh, going on at the theater. Uh, it's like you can vote for a movie that we're about to show. I'm going to link it below. And I'm only bringing it up because Interstellar is currently winning the vote of what we are going to show uh, in September at the theater. So if you live... Dude, I want to vote Mulholland Drive. I did vote Mulholland Drive. That's why it's got a heart there. Oh, okay. I, I voted for right. it already. So go vote for it as well. I want to see it shoot up the ranks. I'd love to Honestly, see Honestly, I'd probably, I'd probably watch the... Like, this is a great example of, of a movie that would be on two different spectrums where Interstellar is not always the most entertaining movie, but it mm-hmm. is, like, really technically a marvel. And then The Fifth Element, which is also a sp- sci-fi movie, but it's not the most technically amazing film but it's yeah. fucking entertaining the entire mm. way through so like that would be dude i think i've just made the perfect movie scoring system i'm gonna work on this <laughs> okay so that well, i can perfect it lovely I'll, i'm looking forward to an update on that later on and i think we've already extended our discussion time so i'll only yes. i'll only keep this short as like kind of a, a couple word answer but in in Lucano they, they did have a panel with Alan Muttley he was on there and he, they were talking about film criticism and uh influences and where the line is kind of drawn like I think the, the tagline was in German but it was like uh, are you still doing film criticism or are you already influencing and I was wondering Lachlan where on that scale of on maybe it's not a binary scale it's like either or uh but where on that scale of film critic to influences do you see yourself and maybe us as a collective on this show like what what do you think about this uh i hate to consider myself an influencer influencer is the worst term it's uh i I don't like it because it's a better i i'm not here to i'm not here to influence someone's opinion on a film i'm here to sort of give my own opinion which can be representative of a group of people uh with similar tastes of mine uh, but I, I don't like to consider what we do as influencing someone's opinion on a film, mm. but just like a topic of conversation to discuss the film's strengths and, and weaknesses. So yeah, like I, like other than trying to persuade you to like pick Interstellar, uh, last, uh, <laughs> last yeah. time we did like a bracket, yeah. uh, I, I don't, I don't want to influence someone's opinion. I'd rather them just if they're listening to our non-spoiler discussions, see if it's something they're interested in. Like, I, I'd like to give people, like, the the choice to spend their money on a particular film. Like, let's say they have only 20 bucks to spend this summer to go mm-hmm. see a big blockbuster and they don't know which one to see. Well, they could listen to a couple reviews on it and they could hear it out to say, look, I think that that sounds more up my alley. So yeah. I'd rather people, like, listen to us, talk about it and be able to make a decision on which film they should go watch. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you should try to watch as many as you can if you're big into this space. But yeah, I don't like to consider myself an influencer. Right. Because that's lame. That is pretty lame. I think what one of the people on the panel brought up is that, uh, I don't know if maybe it was even Alan, uh, that film criticism is kind of what maybe extends when you consider someone an influencer who is 
maybe to just an online personality that is driving people to do something to get them there it's more about the act of getting them there and film criticism is much more um like something that comes after like how you engage with the film after the fact and how you categorize it with other movies like to contextualize it in the, the the bigger space of film is what film critics usually do because they tend to have a lot of experience and i've seen a lot and can contextualize it, it, it that way uh so i don't know i think i do see myself uh as a film critic and i feel like to influence you need to have influence uh, i don't think we have influence and sway over a lot of people uh and <laughs> i don't know that's just like not, not how i see it it's more the discussion that's the, the driving part of what we do when you have a film that you're releasing you will invite both film critics and influencers because film critics won't get people's butts into seats, but influencers will. I mean, so if you have a big influencer saying, I just went and saw this movie early, it's wicked, it's sick. Um, and I'll tell you a great example in a second. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what they'll use an influencer for, but they will use a film critic's uh, opinion for a different type of crowd, for us right. crowd, people who are into film. And the reason yeah. I give you the example of an influencer getting tickets like getting butts to go buy tickets mm -hmm. is Tom Cruise and the flash. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm Tom Cruise is not a film critic, but he is definitely an influencer when it comes to like that kind of space. Right. I mean, the, he, but he I don't no know if it's a good example is, though, because the flash flopped like no other film before in DC. Yeah. But that's the point <laughs> of him promoting it as an influencer to try to get right. people to sell tickets. Right. Yeah. But didn't, work. you don't ever hear Same about, for Mission impossible, you know, kind of. Yeah. Oh, here's this film critic. They say this film is great. Yeah, yeah. That's it, right? But you hear people who have a celebrity status talking yeah. about films and how they, you should, you should definitely go see it. That's what's going to promote it, which is why they have, the, obviously, the, the, act, the actors doing the promotion because they're the celebrity. Exactly. You don't yeah. have fucking uh, Roger Deakins going around for his press tour, mm -hmm. selling the film on a, on a technical level, right? Yeah. They'll do that at the end of the year when it comes to like the Oscars and stuff. They'll do like an Oscar round table with cinematographers and go, let's talk about films. And then that's the only exciting part of the year for me. But yeah. they will only get like the influencers, celebrities to sell the film. Yeah, I think like Roger Deakin specifically does have his own podcast and like they have Mad Reeves on uh, yeah. the other week. And like the discussions there are so interesting because they talk about like the stuff after the fact and a lot of like background stuff that doesn't have a place in the promotion of the film or is even people driving people to the theaters which is yeah maybe the stuff that i'm more interested in and if it's just yeah about like they also discussed that uh, maybe the stuff that needs good film criticism is the smaller stuff where people otherwise wouldn't really see it and i feel like it's also too small to be authentically uh influenced about by like uh, online personalities but like the, the lines like, meld once you get to a bigger audience as a film critic then it, it like you become both in a way right like the whole christopher nolan shooting this entire film in imac right yeah is not going to sell the majority of tickets to people because right they're going to sell it on oh wow it's a film about the nuclear explosion i heard it looks really good but yeah. you you tell somebody it's shot on seventy millimeter IMAX and people are gonna go, okay, that's what. What's the difference between it's that also, and yeah. accessibility? My for iPhone's four well. K footage, right? 
It's it yeah. all looks really good at the end of the day, but to people who are in that space and they go, oh, if I could go see this on the one of the twelve or eleven cinemas in the world that are shooting it on and displaying it on that IMAX experience, mm-hmm. that you know you're not going to have everyday people going to go pay like fifty dollars for a ticket to see yeah. it. Because I mean, it, I'm going to try to do that for Dune, but yeah, it was such a big thing. I think the one in in is it in Melbourne, right? Uh I think Melbourne, that's yeah. like pretty much one of the biggest ones in the world if not the biggest one it's it's fucking huge uh yeah. i don't think it's the biggest one i don't yeah. think it's the biggest one but uh i think the one in sydney was the biggest one at one point but that oh, one's okay. shut down and is right. re- continues to be shut down but like I, yes. I recently went on the list that had all of them um listed and the one in australia beats literally every single one in the states from for size and they got they got hundreds uh but we're we're yeah. a, we're a uh quality not a quantity kind of place you know what i mean like why have one in every yeah. single state when you can just have one really good one which annoys me i wish there was one over here <laughs> that's why you got only like seven cities and the rest is just like fuck all there's nothing going on yeah well yeah. i wouldn't even say like there's seven cities like i i don't even think that perth would be considered a city it's so tiny i would disagree because it's bigger than every single city in switzerland i think Right? I don't know. Sure. Uh, how big is the population at the top of your head? Uh, it's like two mil. Yeah, that's so much bigger than Switzerland. Uh, but yeah. Uh, anyways, I live in a non-country, guys. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it for discussion time. A really long. We live one, in a society. We, I sometimes do. Uh, sometimes not. Yes. I, it's by my own choosing. But uh, let's get to what we've been watching. Do you want to do you first this week? Because you, sure. I, I want to hear what you were watching. I, I, uh, I watched some stuff. I, you haven't told me anything about the festival. No. Okay, so I was down in Lucano uh, at the trade show, and it is a bit of a tricky situation um, as to what I can talk about and what I can't. There's, there's things that are under embargo that I clearly can't even mention that I've seen it. Um, but some other stuff. How about stuff? you just tell me everything and then we just censor the next like five minutes of the podcast. <laughs> it's just Except like a long for my reactions. Beep. Uh, no, I can't even do that. That would already break the embargo. They, okay. they explicitly said okay. you cannot talk about it. That was in the contract on the Quiet On Set podcast. I don't know how they knew. No worries. We live in a society. Yeah, uh, I ended up watching only one film at the festival itself. The other thing that I was invited to and have been for the last three years is as a programmer of a local little theater. I get to see the films early that uh, they plan to distribute uh, and play in Swiss theaters here. So they showcased them to us. A lot of them, uh, a lot of stuff was from uh, Gun as well. So there was a lot of overlap. Like, for example, they, ch- they showed uh, Perfect Days. Again, I didn't end up rewatching it or something like Thought and Leaves from Aki Karismaki. Uh, great movies, uh, but I didn't watch them again. But instead, I-, I got to see some films that we could have seen. I caught up on some stuff that played in Gun, uh, like, for example, Ban- Banel and Adaba. It was one of the two competition films that i missed and uh i i watched it i think it was okay i i liked it quite a bit uh, it was fine my my uh, co-worker also works in in, in programming he uh, really loved it and i can see where it's like the study uh african film has like really evolved in the last few decades and he uh like he specifically said that it, it looked incredible like so much better than than uh, like it has 10 years ago even and um, I think I quite like the, 
story, but it was just like too repetitive for, for my own liking, but it has some incredible shots. So uh, yeah, th that's one that you can go check out. The one from uh, that neither of us caught, The Book of Solutions, that was from the director of uh, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, um, was horrible, man. That movie was so trash. It was about like a, a director who's doing his own production and he's, uh, I think, on, well, he must be on the, the spectrum. But it's never really brought up. He just is an asshole that's also got no social cue awareness of anything. And it never builds to anything. It's just like endlessly frustrating of what a fucking asshole he is. That That's all the movie is. And it's just, I I was a bit frustrated with the movie, which at parts was its intention. But it just like was also not like well made the other two i got was uh l'arabissement and uh the the goldman pro uh, process those two were both kind of solid one of them goldman was a historic uh adaptation of a courtroom drama and it was fine it just like was a bit too uh, confrontational on the f like it was so much of uh just people screaming at each other uh, in frustration where there's there's not a lot of i guess rules in French court or I guess how they depicted it it was just like a stressful endeavor and then La Ravismo is about like a woman who um is kind of unlucky in her relationships uh hasn't gotten pregnant yet would love to be a mom is is a midwife and then ends up uh taking part in the baby's life of a best friend basically uses it to get with a guy in a way and it's really like, it's not morally ambiguous, but you really feel for the person who does something very wrong in this. So for that, I really found it interesting. Um, and then lastly, Disney also had one movie to show, and that was Theater Camp, uh, really up my alley. Maybe a bit too much up my alley. It's shoved me in there, like Scream 6 and Samara Weaving uh, got stabbed to death there. Uh, <laughs> but it's it was fun, um, a bit... Yeah, too over the top at times for me, but certainly a movie that we might be talking about more extensively in the coming weeks. And then, yeah, the only film I, I did watch that was part of the official programming was in the retrospective, Ridley, Scott, uh, Ridley Scott's film Black Hawk Down. I saw it on, in uh, 35mm and the uh, Oscar winning, two-time Oscar winner Pietro uh, Scalia, the editor of the film, was there for a short introduction. I then found out that he's uh, Italian-American and they did the whole intro in Italian, so I had no fucking clue what they were talking about because I do not speak Italian. <laughs> but it was nice seeing him there and the film was pretty hectic and intense. I hadn't seen it before. This was my first time seeing it. And uh, yeah, just a lot of people in there that are notable. Um, even Josh Har uh, Harnett, who um, wasn't really in a lot of productions, but then now pop back up with Oppenheimer. Yeah, was really intense, but towards the end of it, it just became too much more, uh, too much of a, like the solidarity of the US. Uh, <laughs> it was just uh, a, bit, a bit too much of, of that for me, which I don't really enjoy in movies where I thought like before that, uh, it opens like with a quote from Plato, the only winners in war or the only people who see the end of war are the, uh, are, are the dead. And it didn't really use that thing other than there's people who die. And there's like 17 Americans who die and a thousand people from Somalia. And to me, like that discrepancy putting towards the end of the movie about like America's solidarity just kind of didn't vibe. I didn't vibe with a movie that was so about like uh, killing people. <laughs> I don't know.
Anyways, th yeah, that's that's all I've been watching. Did that catch you up to speed of what I was up to last week? Pretty much. Yeah. Seemed like you were busy. I, I was very busy, and um, I, I like to... Uh, I was trying to treat it like a holiday, but um, didn't end up doing that uh, as much as I would have liked to, but... Uh, maybe at some point. Um, I'm I'm just watching movies recreationally, but uh, yeah. What about you, Lachlan? What did you watch this week? I didn't watch a, a whole lot, uh, but I did want to say that I rewatched everything, everywhere, all at once, mm. and uh, mm -hmm. she holds up. It really does. Uh, yeah. Solid film. Uh, made queen. me laugh again quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Just the, that's all. I, that's all I did really. I, mm. Didn't watch a lot of movies. I don't know why. I just wasn't in one of those one of those moods to watch that. Uh, other yeah. than just keep making my way through Supernatural. Yeah. So many episodes. Damn, you're dedicated to that. Still on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to make my way through it. It's kind of like when I did a rewatch of the X Files many many years ago. Mm. There's just so many like mid episodes that just yeah. Sometimes it's just like two times speed. I'm not a two times speed kind of guy. Yeah. Two times speed. Just get through this one quickly. It's not that great. But there recently Supernatural has like opened up in some really interesting uh areas. Like they've they've played around with the format a little bit, which I quite like. Mm. I quite like. Also, I went to a quiz night and mm -hmm. I got almost every single movie question correct, bar two, because I blanked on the name of MGM. Uh yeah. and I also <laughs> blanked uh on this picture quiz challenge which mm. was also one of the dumbest things ever. It was like, these four pictures are something similar. And mm. it was like the moon. It was a picture of the moon, mm. a guy in, like, in the sky with clouds behind him, like this, and it says dreams. And then there was a rocket ship oh, and is a it, clock. Is it Despicable Me? No. Oh, okay. Uh... It was like Christopher Nolan movies because it was Why? Uh, The Dark Knight. The moon, the That's dreams inception. Then it was uh the rocket, which was Interstellar, and then time travel, which was Tenant. And I it feel was like that's that's the on the level. Thing. Yeah, I feel it's like it's a very the, on, big stretch. I feel like it's on that level of these emoji uh, emoji guessing games where there's a bunch of emojis and you get like it's as silly as that. But uh, yeah, I I might want to do some two that I got wrong. I might want to do some some stuff. We might be producing some videos soon because uh, I feel like. The opening and closing lines of of uh, films would be fun, and you got also got those artworks of like every single frame of a movie, and I feel like it would be fun to make you guess what like on the it. color spectrum is. Yeah, yeah, I already prepped some stuff, so we might be doing that. I've uh, realized that Blade soon. Runner is way darker than uh, two thousand and one. Two thousand and one has a lot brighter scenes in it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, it's so hard to guess when when you when you like don't really know where it's going with. But yeah, we might do a tie yeah, in yeah. and and the show at some point. But uh, let's get to uh, Matt Johnson's um, <laughs> weird biopic. We couldn't really categorize it. We weren't really sure. Is it a biopic? Is it a, like this IP based movie? But we're talking about BlackBerry. Two mismatch entrepreneurs, egghead inventor Mike Lazarus and cutthroat businessman Jim Balsali joined forces in an endeavor that was to become a worldwide hit in little more than a decade. The story of the meteoric rise and the catastrophic demise of the world's first smartphone. It also says in the tagline on Letterboxd, work hard, feel hard, which to me is indicating the tone yeah. of this film perfectly. It, it writes the line of, 
a more like just a depiction of what happened uh there but it also heightens everything around it um it comes in at a runtime of two hours but i honestly gotta say the movie seems more like it's it's 90 to 100 minutes it really flies by mm -hmm. it's been well liked so far by the internet on letterboxd it's a 3.8 on imdb a 7.4 and on metacritic an 80 it had a budget of 5 million and has only grossed 2.5 million so far. Uh, it already played, if I'm not mistaken, in theaters in the States, but it is opening in uh, international markets in the upcoming weeks. So hopefully it will break the threshold or to, to break even. Um, fortunately, there, there wasn't a ton of promotion. Not that fortunately, but like fortunately for the budget of this film, there wasn't a ton of it that I saw. So I don't know if they need 10 million to break even because obviously they can't make any money on the back end of this. They're not <laughs> getting the inclusion of, of mobile phone sales uh, for the Blackberries anymore. But uh, yeah, it premiered earlier this year at uh, South by Southwest. And we are going to talk about the film in full-on spoiler fashion. Now, for those who are still waiting for a release date, the movie does already have a place on uh, VOD, so you can go rent or buy it uh, if you want to see it yourself. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be a rise and fall story. So even if you don't uh, already completely uh, know or have seen the film, um, join us in our spoiler discussion of the film but my first question to you Lachlan what was your first like mobile phone and and did you ever have a Blackberry no I never had a Blackberry I had used one because mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure someone in my family had one because I remember actually using one yeah but I did not I had a Nokia brick phone mm. as my first mobile phone because yeah. I didn't have smartphones when I got my first smart, uh, mobile phone. Old, I so was old. able to play. I was able to play Snake though. That's the yeah. only thing that I remember is that I had a really good high score of Snake on that device. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to remember my first like smartphone though, because obviously this is sort of like a like a different Fair. product category I, where yeah. it's like a all in one device. Because I couldn't really I couldn't do email on my brick phone. I could just do calls and texts. Yeah. But my first, like, smartphone, I think, was a... Ooh, hang on. I have, to, I have to search this up. What was yours? What was yours? Uh, well, I also had a Nokia brick at first, and then I had, like, a flip phone Nokia all the way into, like, the couple first generations of, of an iPhone. I, I knew that some people had that when, when I was growing up. Uh, but I think my first one ended up being like an HTC, <laughs> which oh, I, yeah. I don't oh, think yeah. that company's around anymore, but I had a couple of them because I, I also really wanted when I was younger, uh, it wasn't called a Blackberry anymore. There was, there was another one that was big with their, uh, with the, the actual keyboard on the thing. I, I'm blanking on what that company, uh, was even called, or maybe it was Blackberry. Was I don't remember. Nokia? Um, I guess Nokia's had it as well, but I didn't want one. But my proper first one was a Nokia, uh, Nokia and I never had um, one that had, like, actual, like, uh, other than the flip phone that I had, uh, that mm. had actual, like, the click. It didn't have to click, like, the what yeah. they advertise here. My, I th okay, so my first smartphone was a hand-me-down. I had a mm. Samsung Galaxy Ace. Okay. They had the Galaxies this early on. I don't... It was also known as a Samsung Galaxy Copper in some regions. 
but it was because my mum upgraded to a iPhone. So I remember, I remember the iPhone box coming in there, uh, and I got this one. Uh, yeah. I remember it because uh, it was able to do the basics on it. Uh, but yeah, that was that was that was my first like smartphone. Yeah, I had a couple of hand me downs as well when it uh, comes to phones, but um, I think then I kind of settled on the side of I, I only had an iPhone I think once, and it was like iPhone four or something, the one that was like completely glass all around, and mm. I think it, it shattered at one point. I dropped it. Uh, and I've never had that issue with any of my other phones. I didn't have that issue with a Samsung, so I just stuck with Samsung ever since. It was like, yeah, no switching. I don't like this. Although, yeah, now I think uh, Apple is definitely the nominating brand. I mean, being the single most successful company in the world. Yeah, I do have, I don't even know what this one's called, actually. It is a, uh, not a Samsung Note. Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra. Sure. Yeah, he, he knows his shit. <laughs> uh that's my phone i sell phones for a living man like that's yeah. my entire job yeah like my party trick is literally of, of show me the back say. of your phone and i can and i can guess your camera i can if from the back of your phone i can guess from the cameras what phone you have yeah it's it's got a whole bunch of them um but anyways uh, i was also like really big into phones when i was younger mm -hmm. like i i didn't have a great phone growing up but um, I used to follow smartphones because for me, when I was younger, they were the progressing market. Oh yeah, like phones, there was so much improvement. Phones, phones were just boom; they just yeah. they just evolved so quickly. So for me, who was really big into like tech when I was younger, phones were interesting to me because they evolved really quickly. Now they've yeah. sort of died off, and there isn't really any fun ones except yeah, now the you got to flip it and, and flop break it after two seconds again. Far. Right. I do have a stylus. You should. I, I think. Well. I think we had that conversation. I was like, "Why didn't you get the fold?" And yeah. you were just like, "Yeah." Nah, I I like a bigger screen. I mean, it does have a bigger screen yeah. on on the end of it, but it feels like they're just trying it because they can, not because it's yeah. something like they they want to innovate in some way. But uh, which is actually like the ultimately the downfall of this under competition, the the forced kind of like justified difference that you got to make to to stand mm. out still when you're not the one standing out anymore because yeah what, what do you think about the story and and uh in this and how it goes about depicting it uh i really really enjoyed it because i was not uh familiar at all with the internal uh story of blackberry i knew obviously of its demise uh just because they're not around anymore and i remember yeah. people talking about blackberry uh when we first sort of had mobile phones back in high school uh, because they still made phones up until about, I think it was like two years ago, and then they f fully closed their mobile phone division. Uh, yeah. Because they, they were still around, and they still did the physical keyboard. Like, they stuck with the fucking physical keyboard thing for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, because that was, their, that was their shtick. But I guess it's a great example of how if a company doesn't try to evolve with the times, they will get stuck and ultimately fail. So mm. it, was, it was really interesting to see how they thought that their version of this device was the was the ultimate version because that was where the industry was going. They wanted mm. to have a device where you could do everything on the on the phone, and yeah. they thought, why would you want to be able to do all of these other things without a keyboard? Right, the keyboard is the ultimate thing, um, yeah. which which really really interested uh, interested me. Uh, I also really enjoyed the whole not building it in China storyline as well. Mm -hmm. um because that is something that's so rare these days where it's not built in china 
uh, and it has like a less quality to it, but some products obviously go around that. But yeah, no, I, I thought the, the story in amongst itself was really engaging. Yeah, I think so as well. And then like what stands out is uh, the visual style of this film, which is what I've been told pretty Matt Johnson-like, who also stars in uh, one of the three leading roles here that he shoots it on further away with really long lenses, like actually really far away. And it, it is a, an interesting approach uh, to show this because it feels way more like you're observing something um, other than like mm. being in in their shoes, uh, which is what I felt for the, for the whole movie. Like uh, I'm I'm really just not participating, but I'm I'm just seeing everything un unfold in front of me, which is a good approach for the type of story that that he ends up telling. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about the the visual style? Uh, I liked it because I thought it was at first being this like documentary, yeah, style of filmmaking. And that is interesting to see in sort of a feature where you get that sort of handheldness to it, but it evolved into this visual storytelling as if you, again, as an observer, there is really no perspective mm. of whose story it is. It is kind of just like you're observing these three very different people, right? Yeah. A cutthroat businessman, uh, egghead inventor who really is in it for the product and then his best the guy mate, who wants to do a movie uh, night yeah. doug who just wants to have fun and enjoy Watch Raiders the, of the Last industry Star. that he's in yeah, yeah. um which is really kind of like its core you know uh drive for the film is like their relationship and how they kind of head butt each other and mm. go each other's different ways and how uh mike uh sort of becomes more of a Jim than a Doug by the end. And then yeah. how that kind of struck him in the ass a little bit and fucked Blackberry uh, very heavily. So yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's a really engaging story from uh, three main uh, actors in it. I think it also shines in making the actual first success and, and how like Jim kind of, uh, uh, sorry, Mike, no, Jim forced him into like being more successful by the decisions, good decisions that he made for, for the company at the time. And then when everything goes wrong, it doesn't really dedicate a lot of time to see our characters kind of fail. They are just essentially because we fast forward uh, a bunch with montages. Um, it also kind of feels like you are adjusting up to the time that has passed as a viewer as well. And, and they are as well with um, the, the rise of, of different medias, uh, of, of different um, companies that, that uh, now have become more of, of an actual like competition to them. Like at, at their peak, they almost had 50% of the market share. And I don't know if that like uh, where Apple is at. I, I tried to figure that out, but there was a lot of conflicting data that I didn't trust that I found online. But um, it, like one side said that uh, at, uh, that... Apple in the States uh, has more than a 50% market share, which uh, would make it better, uh, bigger than um, BlackBerry ever was. But it, it, it was interesting to see that sort of style where um, towards the end of it, it really goes like pretty snappy from, from beat to beat uh, to the ultimate downfall of this company, which didn't take too long if you look at the movie, mm. you know, uh, by 2008, they were kind of fucked already. 
uh, with the iPhone coming out. That was basically their their death blow, and they just were on a uh, in a coma for the rest of I guess the 2010s. Um, continuing down a, a road of uh, less innovation, but sticking with their niche um, and yeah, not really finding any more success out of it. I, I, I really enjoyed the film as well. I think it, it did a really solid job of, of doing um, like this rise and fall really well. And it stands out, especially right now with, with the, the rise of these IP movies that, that um, seem to come out. Uh, like we had a couple this year already with Air, Flaming Heart, uh, Tetris, and there was a movie on Pinball as well. I'm probably missing a bunch, uh, but these are all films, uh, stuff. Uh, these are all like movies about stuff that some of them aren't obviously at their peak of, of success anymore, but uh, they're still kind of relevant and uh, are used for something. And here it's less about that. It's really about like these over-the-top stories people and that's what i wanted to bring up as well is like to me the, the way that to the makeup and hairstyling for, for these people for the lead free i think it's very obvious that they're the people we're supposed to pay attention to because they are kind of standing out a bit like especially uh mike i'd say with the, the way his hair looks it just kind of looks off and they also A silver fox Yes, Fox. And I mean, I, I, I listened to the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast. And for a while, it was just funny, like last November, yeah, a year ago, more than a year ago now, uh, Glenn Howerton, who plays Jim, who doesn't have like hair like that, usually, or he usually has more hair. Uh, he just like came into an episode and looked like that. And you were like wondering, huh, what's this movie for, for Blackberry? What is he like? is that gonna work out is this gonna be worth it for him to shave his his head and uh yes it mm. did uh, i think his character is another uh highlight um of this whole movie but yeah what do, you, what do you think about like the characters that we get from from those actors uh i said like they're great performances are great the the makeup and hairstyling was a bit mid if i'm totally honest uh, yeah especially once so uh they kind of cut to around 2007 uh, <laughs> where Mike's hair is a lot longer, and I was like, "That the short crazy. hair was fine. Yeah. The long hair was wild, though." Yeah. Uh, also, just having Matt Johnson's like naturally long locks is just <laughs> a, a a blessing amongst itself. They were they're just yeah. it's gorgeous hair anyway. But yeah. um, the 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 guys themselves they do a, a really really good job, uh, holding this entire film together. I yeah. thought, uh, unlike, uh, I guess, the, the Steve Jobs persona, mm -hmm. uh, Mike is very different. Uh, Steve Jobs was obviously demonstrated uh, in his two films that he's a bit of a control freak and a bit of a maniac, if I'm totally honest, compared to what Mike was. Mike was quite conservative and, and, and didn't really want to cause conflict where... Yeah. Obviously, Steve Jobs was like, either you fucking make this thing work or you're fired, basically. And yeah. Mike slowly becomes that by the end. And mm -hmm. uh, I guess it's uh, an interesting transition to see him go into that. I really, really, really enjoyed his arc, I guess. Even though yeah. it wasn't his story, uh, it, was, it was a mixture between Mike, Jim, and Doug. Uh, his arc was the most engaging for me because the entire time Jim is Jim, he doesn't change as a person. He's just continuously money hungry looking for the next promotion trying to become the next thing and obviously by the end of the story he's wanting to move out of this and basically be a uh i guess a hockey uh team 
CEO uh, yeah. instead of the, the He's cheering for the wrong the, team though. But uh Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not a big hockey person, clearly you are, so you can obviously yes. promote how good that is. Uh, uh as a, I, I, as a, yeah, I really liked the bit where obviously it shows him watching it, but when the other like douchebag guy comes in that that they had initially problems with the modem a uh, modem for to like uh, threaten a hostile takeover of of the company, he like it's very apparent that he's uh just surrendering in a way, but like that that end note where he asks like do you like hockey and it's like oh no and and he also says like hate it, that feels like. In that place, he's saying like "fuck you" to the guy, but it can't can't say it. Mm. But that's like you know, and, and I like that kind of note of, of what like what he has to play. For for me, I think Mike is kind of interesting in the way that like he changes. Where there's a lot of pressures that that come that um, I guess Jim is usually the one to deal with, and as he takes more of a control and like everything is getting more and more out of out of his hands and his control where he's more managing he has pretty much no other choice choice than to be this really cutthroat person although that's not really what he is at start because he's ultimately a, a nerd but he becomes one of mm. the i think it's a really nice arc where they first pitch that prototype thing and they go like oh you're not you, you're not from tech, right? And then he comes in and solves the thing that they, they've had issues with. And it kind of comes full circle where he becomes the guy who doesn't really understand what's happening with tech anymore. He becomes the guy who's out of touch, too involved with the business side um, and, and, yeah, can't keep up anymore. Um, and, like, I don't know, that's just, that's just good storytelling. I really like that. Uh, and it doesn't hit you in the face with with what it's trying to go for, and it's it, it's 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 message and it's main themes. Mm. So I yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, was there anything else you want to talk about, like the the award stuff? Uh, I liked him enough. I'd I'd really like to see Jay Joe Barchel. Uh, what's his last name? I don't Jay know. Jay Barchel. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I'd like to see him uh, nominated for something. Uh, right. Because I thought the performance was really subtle but really good and kind of comes out in points really strong and again it's not his film per se i mean it is he's he's basically the main character it was it was interesting to see a good balance between all of these guys doug is like the the saving grace of the company where he's like he sees the changes that are happening and that's that's an interesting character to have where we can see that as well but he's audibly telling us at the same time without it being mm. a monologue or anything or without it being narration or anything like that so having him in the story is quite handy. He's also the comedic relief of the film. Yeah. When it gets really serious, he comes in with some zingers and some good lines, and he's obviously visual, like visual comedy at the same time, not just yeah. jokes and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, comedic lines. So the, the the balance of them all is really solid. From a from a technical standpoint, we already obviously spoke about the cinematography, but I thought the the needle drops in this were really good. <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing that really stood out to me when it comes to the needle drops, uh, but I I thought it was just like a really well put together story all, all, all around. Um, and kind of a surprise, you know, that the movie about Blackberry uh, works this well. I think that's pretty much all I have to say about it, Lachlan, unless you got something else um that you want to get off your chest uh i'm ready to to share my rating all right what was your rating i'm giving it uh four blackberries out of five what about you Sorry, i'm listening to the he's grooving out jamming i gave 
it a four and a, a four out of five as well. Yeah, really solid uh, little hit that um, probably not a ton of people have on their radar at, at this part of the year. Obviously, we would love to see some awards uh, awards consideration for the film. I feel like it, it's ultimately a bit too under the radar to to get picked up on on, on any of that stuff, any of that stuff. But uh, yeah, go check it out yourself and. Uh, luckily, now that we uh, are done, they're out of money. Um, the Blackberry is dead. What can we watch next? In theme with Movie Night over at the Blackberry headquarters. What are we picking as a double feature for Blackberry? I'm doing my De Niro face. Uh, yeah. What movie would I watch in partnership with Blackberry? That's a great question. Uh, that is the question that we ask after the review. And I yeah. completely forgot to pick one. I think um, you should go with uh, The Flash because, hear me out, although you don't spell yeah, it the I'm, same, I'm there's Barry Allen and Barry with mm -hmm. an A. And also, mm -hmm. you know, that's words. Yeah. Yeah. That's That was my pitch. I, I don't mean, have anything anymore. That That's all of it. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was a really... Interesting Convincing. One. All right. Uh, I'm just going to recommend Tetris because I also thought that was a pretty good film about a product uh, this year. Um, they're very similar. I'd probably say they're both on almost the same level. Yeah, we never end up in... Well, it's a lot about negotiations and stuff like that. So I mm. agree there. Uh, I'm going with the, the rival of the BlackBerry, uh, and that is Apple. And there's two, I guess, uh, biopics. I try to watch them uh before today but i just couldn't get it done in time i was too busy in in locano uh but i guess the the better of the two um is the one with michael fassbender right called uh steve jobs and jobs is the one that's not good with ashton kutcher gonna try and see both of them um in uh well i'm trying to see both of them this week and maybe i can share my thoughts uh, on it next week, but I would also recommend uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, there was um, towards the, the end of the latest season, the 16th season, there was a uh, Glenn Howerton focused finale uh, with his character and it was phenomenal. So yeah, I've never seen the show uh, or just want to uh, watch some more of it. If you have like 10 years ago, it's been on for so long, then go give it a try. It's really uh, more like obviously comedy not in theme with um blackberry but uh yeah can recommend but that's it for the double feature let's have a look at what's releasing this week and um at least internationally but not in the states gran turismo and another i guess ip based uh, film here well all of it i guess is ultimately ip if you think about it in those terms but a, a video game movie is hitting theaters and we'll uh, most likely be talking about that, uh, obviously, with the ongoing strikes. Uh, our release date schedule, or not just our release date schedule, but the film release date schedule is uh, kind of um, up in the air and changing uh, as as we, we plan our show. So we will most likely be talking about Gran Turismo uh, next week. And then um, a special shout out to those Australian listeners if you haven't seen Asteroid City on VOD yet, you are getting it in theaters finally uh, this week. So go give it a... Are you going to give it a rewatch, Lachlan? Are you going to theaters to go see it? Yes. Yeah? Yes. You're taking some mates and uh, going to see Asteroid the City. The other half would like to see it. I told yeah. her that she would enjoy it when yeah. we went and saw it in 
Hands. So I yeah. said that we'd go see it when it comes out. Don't tell her about. Uh, has she? Does she know about the, the the joke that I didn't get? The Roadrunner joke. No. Okay. No, so I. I so next I've kept, week. I've kept it. I've kept everything about it under wraps. Okay. So you got to tell me if after the fact if she also didn't know what it was. Uh. So okay. I can feel wrecked. Like if she doesn't know, then I'll feel better. Otherwise, I'll feel like an idiot. Cool. Um. But yeah, that's that. You can uh, follow the show. You can subscribe to the channel. Leave a like. Uh. Rate us on your podcast app of choice, and then tune in uh next week. Uh, or every week for that matter uh, on the podcast so thanks so much for watching and we'll see you next week